Welcome to the Save Your Marriage podcast, dedicated to all the spouses out there who are going through marital problems and want to save their marriages. Here, we give you tools, perspectives, and insight into how to save your marriage and have a thriving marriage. This podcast is sponsored by The Fortified Spouse. And now, here's your host, Arturo Henriquez. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this episode. I want to make a quick clarification. This podcast was originally started to help men. But thanks to all you listeners out there, it has received mass appeal from both men and women. So if you hear only references to wives, know that everything I talk about applies for both husbands and wives, men and women. That said, I want to invite all the men and women out there to book a private complimentary call with me. We will talk about your particular situation in private and give you lots of guidance and put you on the path to restoring and saving your marriage. Just go to www.fortifiedspouse.call. That's C-A-L-L. Now, I'm kind of recording this at a different place, not in one of my offices where I'm usually recording. I'm actually in a hotel room. And the reason I'm in a hotel room is not because I'm in trouble at home, but because I'm at a conference. And sitting beside me at that conference was a person I got to know over the course of the day. And he was telling me about a seminar he went to. It was a marriage seminar. And he told me about some of the stuff they talked about. And I immediately went, you know what? I've got to do a podcast on that because that is such an important thing to talk about. And what we were talking about is breaking your agreements. So before I get you into trouble, let me explain a little further what I mean When I say, you know, break your agreements. Now, we have a lot of ways we can think about agreements. One is that we have agreements with other people. Like, I agree that I'm going to do this. I'm going to pick up the kids. Or I agree I'm going to go to the bank. Or I agree that we'll work together and we'll have this cool business. Or I agree that we're going to volunteer at this event and I'll be there. And so on and so forth. Now, when I'm talking about those kind of agreements we have with other people, including our spouse, those are agreements we keep because they are kind of promises, right? Because these type of agreements, they're social agreements that we're talking about. And we definitely want to honor those. In fact, if we're trying to build up goodwill in a relationship, it's so vitally important that we honor those agreements because that keeps us trustworthy. And that keeps us with a good reputation and able to be dependable. And those are important factors. Those are kind of the things that define the character in you. These agreements that I'm talking about, though, are agreements we have about the world and agreements we have about our spouse. And the person we have this agreement with is with ourselves. Now, the idea of having these agreements, I first came across in the book, The Four Agreements by Don Miguel Reese. And now whether you believe the backstory of that book or not, it's great psychology. And Don Miguel Reese talks about the fact that we've made agreement, things that we believe that may be agreements we've made because of culture. We might make agreements with parents about beliefs about the world, and we don't even know it. 
In other words, these agreements are unconscious beliefs that we hold. And so we agree to these beliefs. And I really like the term because you kind of think about those two parts of yourself having a conversation. And at some point when you're having a conversation, when you're trying to make sense of something, you make an agreement with yourself about what that means, and it becomes an unconscious belief system. For instance, you might have something that happens to you, and when that something happens to you, you have to find some sort of interpretation to it. And so once you have that interpretation one time, and it happens again, the process repeats. And each time it repeats, you begin to solidify that belief, usually without even challenging it or examining or re-examining that belief. It just kind of comes together. And so you build this belief, and the more times there is a pattern, you build the belief even stronger. So let's talk about why that happens for a minute. One is that we have a huge amount of information coming our way. We're inundated with information in our culture, in our society, so much so that we have to find some shortcuts in order to manage it. It says we have 2.4 million bits of information that come at us at any given day. How do you process all of that? So our brain is designed to take in lots and lots of information. Our brain is designed to target information and so we begin to take shortcuts in our thinking. And neuro-linguistic programming, for instance, will tell you that you will take some of this information, you'll delete some of this information, you'll distort some of this information, and then you will accept some of this information that aligns with your belief system. And these are shortcuts. And our brain is designed to do this because we cannot process 2.4 million bits of information. But our brain is not designed to take in that much information. And so our brain, our brain targets information. And so we begin to take shortcuts in our thinking. And unfortunately, some of those shortcuts are not always helpful for you or your relationship. And this is particularly true around these beliefs, these agreements we have about what's going on in our marriage, about what's wrong, about what's going on with our spouse, and usually even about ourselves, because we tend to be a little kinder to ourselves than we are to other people. For instance, there is the attribution error in psychology. And I think that's one of the important things to always remember. The attribution error says that if I do something wrong, I see it as I made a mistake. However, if you do something wrong, I see it as you have a character flaw. It's not a mistake you made. There's something fundamentally wrong with you. And so if I were to lie and you caught me in a lie, I would have a reason of why I did that. But if you were to lie and I caught you in a lie, I would know that there's something wrong at your very core for whatever it is. You just can't be honest. You're a pathological liar. This is a pattern. So we do this so many times that we begin to lose track of this because most of the time we do this subconsciously. We're not even conscious that we are doing this. We let ourselves off the hook while we're kind of setting the hook for the other person. And this is particularly true with your spouse. 
So the things that we do, we would excuse ourselves. However, if our spouse does the exact same thing, we hang them out to dry for it. And so a lot of the times when we start looking at these agreements, we have to recognize that in making these agreements, we tend to have noticed our own role in the process. For instance, let's say that you have a spouse that you have attributed certain characteristics to. For instance, I often see people who say, well, my spouse is just so cold. That's just with the way my spouse is, or my spouse is just controlling. That's just the way my spouse is, or my spouse is always angry. That's just the way my spouse is. Or the term that I've heard very often lately is my spouse is narcissistic. Now, just on a side note, I'm not saying that there are not narcissistic people, but that term has become so used in our culture that it barely has any meaning whatsoever. From a psychological perspective, if anybody thinks about themselves or makes choices based on themselves, they're often labeled narcissistic. And that's not the clinical term. And so when I'm talking about this attribution, even that very grab of the term means something that we're already attributed. Narcissism is not good. In fact, some people will say, well, can a narcissist person even love? Well, unfortunately, what we've done is we've made narcissism equal to sociopath or psychopath, and they are not the same thing. So now I'm changing a bit of a tangent here, but just to say that sometimes we have these beliefs, whether it's about a spouse being cold or controlling or angry or narcissistic or dismissive or whatever, we want to add to that those are these beliefs that we've built about a spouse that people build about their spouse. For instance, let's take one, let's put it around a common place of conflict in a relationship, and that would be around sex. So maybe somebody's interested in sex and they approach their spouse and their spouse is a no. And so in that process, we have to kind of say, well, what's wrong with my spouse that they don't want to do that? Why are they rejecting me? And so if it happens a number of times, we take on that rejection. And first, we might often say, well, there's something wrong with me, right? There's something that I'm being rejected for. But eventually, over time, we have to rebuild that. We have to make an agreement with ourselves around that because we're kind of sensitive around those areas. And we say, oh, there's something wrong with my spouse. My spouse is frigid or my spouse is unloving or my spouse is unavailable. And we come up with all these pieces and make it about our spouse. So we make it that something is wrong with my spouse. And so we might say my spouse never wants to have sex with me or my spouse always rejects me, whether that's true or not. And many times we use that as kind of the crux of the next actions where we say, well, I'm not even going to try anymore. I'm just going to give up. And then we might say, well, you know, that's because I've been taught that that's not okay. Or that's because I've been taught that I'm not going to feel rejected. But the fact is that we have created an agreement about sex without usually even talking about it with our spouse. Or what about cold? My spouse is being too cold. There are lots of reasons why a spouse might act cold in a situation. And oftentimes it's not about me. It's not about you. It's about the spouse. And I remember years ago, at one point, my wife and I were having some discussions and I kept thinking she was angry with me. And she finally said, you know, you can be angry and it had nothing to do with you. And that was one of those places where I had to really mark down in my mind 
remember that just because somebody was in an emotional state didn't mean that it had anything to do with my actions or inactions. So the first thing we want to do is to kind of register that maybe it has nothing to do with me. Now it could, but the only way we find that out, instead of making an agreement with ourselves, we might ask and make an agreement with a spouse that if there is some situation that we're going to talk about it. We're going to work through those pains and troubles and see if we can get to the place where we're both on the same page about what's going on. But what generally happens, somebody responds coldly, we assume that we have done something wrong or that there's something wrong with them. And we begin to build that into an agreement with ourselves. And when we take it that way, we start looking for that. So if you start looking for a spouse being cold um, and distant towards you, you might begin to respond differently because you're afraid of what that's doing. So you back off a little bit, and when you back off a little bit, well, the relationship cools. And over time, we get to the place where, sure enough, it's a cooled relationship. It's now a cold relationship. So what do you do? Well, this is where I'm challenging you to break the agreements you have about your spouse. Not the agreements you have with your spouse, but the agreements you have about your spouse. Look for those agreements you have with yourself about your spouse, and there's an easy way to find them. Whenever you find yourself always and never about your spouse, you've probably landed on an agreement. It's possible there are some truths there, but many times, in fact, I don't want to be absolute, but almost always absolutes are pointing to agreements. Agreements we've made to hidden beliefs that we have that are missing the light of day. So begin to listen to your internal dialogue about when you say you always, you're always angry with me, you never talk to me, you're always controlling, you never want to have sex, you're always spending money. Now these are often phrases that we go through our head without even voicing them, but we act upon them. And so our hidden beliefs those quiet places in our head begin to change how we interact with our spouse. And that's the danger of this. So let's go through this exercise. The first is to begin to look at those agreements with yourself about your spouse. Look for the always and the nevers, the absolutes. And as you do that, decide this is step number two. Decide that they may not be true. It's possible just suspend a place there that it might not be true. And then propose other possibilities. So when you say, my spouse is always angry with me, you may begin to look at other possibilities. Well, there are times when my spouse is not angry at me. I remember the other morning my spouse wasn't angry at me. And so now you've got proof against your always. The second thing is you may go, maybe it's not about me at all. If I'm judging my spouse at the end of a long day of tangling with kids or with work or with any other part of her life, it might just be exhaustion and it's a bad time. So just begin to propose other possibilities. Even in the process of proposing those other possibilities, you begin to break the hold those agreements have upon you because you're already saying, you know what? I no longer agree. I no longer hold that to be true. 
The next one is then begin to see the spouse as doing the best your spouse can do. Now, let me say this. This is one of my core beliefs. So this is an agreement I have with myself. The people do the best they can where they are. That doesn't mean that they're always at optimal performance. But given what's going on in life, they're doing the best they can where they are. If I've had a hard day at work and I just don't have any more energy, sometimes I'm just sitting in front of the TV and that's the best I can do at that moment given where I am. That doesn't mean after a half hour of resting, I might not be at a better place. Or if maybe you've got lots and lots of stuff going on and there's just not as much quality to time together, you may be able to say, my spouse is doing the best they can given all that's on my spouse's plate and I'm going to give her a break. Because when you begin to look around and say, my spouse is doing the best my spouse can do, and when you begin to generalize that to the general public and say, people are doing the best they can where they are, you also include yourself in that you're doing the best you can where you are. And then you can begin to work to do a little bit better because you change where you are. But begin to see your spouse is doing the best your spouse can where your spouse is right now. That can change in 15 minutes. It can change in two hours. It can change in a week. That's a statement of doing the best you can where you are. Then the final step is to choose that there are other options. You don't have to choose one of those options, but to choose that there are other options to that core belief you've built. When you just decide that other options, you begin to act differently. If you begin to say, maybe my spouse is acting cold right now because my spouse is exhausted and my spouse is exhausted, not because of me, but because of work, I'll just hold that up. And if I do that, I might start acting nicely towards my spouse and say, you know what? I know it's been a hard day. Let me rub your feet. Let me draw you a bath. Let me nurture you some. Because one of the things that often happens with these agreements we have about a spouse is that it changes who we are and how we behave with that spouse. So if we can get away from those agreements, and if we can decide that they may not be true, that there are other possibilities when we see that maybe our spouse really is doing the best they can, then we get to choose that there are really these other options and we can begin to transform how we interact. That's also a matter of where I talk about taking full responsibility for our lives because suddenly we're no longer able to say, well, this is my spouse who is the problem. And that's why we're stuck. We can say there's an interaction here. There's a pattern here. I've taken shortcuts on understanding. And maybe those shortcuts have been kind of short-sighted. And maybe they've also short-circuited our relationship. Now let's get back on track. Let's move to a different place and see if we can move our relationship to a better place. Because suddenly you realize that breaking these type of agreements actually move you forward. Breaking these type of agreements are a breath of fresh air in your relationship. They're a breath of fresh air in you. Because now you're not beholden to an agreement that you never really agreed to and never actually served you to begin with. Thank you for listening. If you are hurting, if you are lost, if you are in despair, if you're facing this anxiety, 
What do I do? How do I respond when my spouse is being toxic? How do I respond when my spouse is stonewalling me? I don't know what to do. My spouse doesn't love me anymore. I don't know what to do. My spouse is cheating on me. My spouse wants a separation or a divorce. I don't know what to do. We can help you find those answers and give you those tools to learn how to stabilize the marriage, how to postpone and delay the divorce or separation or win your spouse back from an affair so you can work on yourself and gain the tools to become the man or woman, wife or husband that you should have always been and want to be, which has the highest probability of saving your marriage because it offers your spouse a new path, a new relationship that they cannot see right now. And I invite you to take part in the Fortified Spouse program. Go to www.fortifiedspouse.com and enroll in the program. The program is going to change your life and it has the highest probability of saving your marriage. You have been listening to the Save Your Marriage podcast for men and women. For further information, visit The Fortified Spouse at www.fortifiedspouse.com. Thank you.